We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, everybody? Welcome into the OBR Film Breakdown. It's your Tuesday, May 16th episode. I'm your host, Jake Burns. I hope this podcast finds you well. We had yesterday's show, if you missed it, the final shows, uh, interviews for draft introduction series. We did Isaiah McGuire, and we got through Lonnie Phelps. So uh, check that one out. If you missed it, today's show, we're going to be joined by Andrew Spade a little bit more often. Positive reaction from you guys, and I just think he's a kick-ass uh, podcast guest and potential host down the line if time permits and i think we're going to get more of andrew as often as we can so andrew what's up man thanks for joining it's great to be here jake always fun to be on the show and i think we've got a fun couple of topics tonight so yeah let's get into it yeah the first topic i think we have to hit on man is this uh the, i don't know if it's the it has to be the zadari smith trade that triggers this but it's just funny seeing a lot of people who are again i understand that national nfl people who cover the league have to Look at 32 teams. It's funny. I had Mina Kimes on like a year ago, and she's like, hey, you're the local expert. You know more about your team than I do. And I just think it's funny hearing somebody actually admit that who does that on a national scale, which is why Mina is one of the best. But it does take time for people to get to the Browns. But I thought it was funny how many people today were like, well, you know, when you look at the Browns roster, they're actually pretty good. They're my dark horse in the AFC now. And it's like they've made a lot of changes that you should have caught more people's eye. And I, I just found that to be a little bit ironic today. Did you catch wind of that? Yeah, it's one of those things where everybody, I think, took the weekend to kind of catch up on, you know, what, what what the Browns did. You know, it's a weird timing for a trade Friday evening, you know, almost eight o'clock at night. And so I think, you know, people got caught up over it over the weekend. And then everybody kind of on Monday's like, oh, kind of everybody independently arrived at the same conclusion. It felt like that, oh, they could be kind of sneaky. And, you know, I, 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 I think I... I don't think that that hype train goes much further than this. I think this is just a product of, you know, there's not much to talk about in, uh, you know, in sort of May and, you know, OTAs are happening and there's not a lot going on. So people felt like they could just kind of have, you know, give the Browns a day. I don't think, you know, I mean, the Jets are going to get way too much bandwidth in terms of, you know, love from the media, the whole Aaron Rodgers thing. They're a New York team. They're going to be everybody's favorite uh, to to go, you know, from mediocre to good in the AFC. I don't think the Browns are going to be some sort of, 
you know, a uh, uh, Cinderella type story for everybody. But um, it is interesting that that's happened, especially because the other thing that's happened since the draft is everybody does their post-draft power rankings and everybody's got the Browns in the, you know, the bottom half of the league, somewhere between 16 and 20, something like that, usually. Like PFF you know, just rectified that, which was a little bit of a, a newsworthy item, I think over the weekend or maybe right before the trade. I can't remember. It was recently that they put them in close to the top 10, I think. Yeah, PFF's got them at nine because PFF is trying to be predictive, whereas everybody else is just reacting to what they saw from last year. So they've got the Browns in the, you know, I think Peter King had them at 19 and everybody had the same thing to say, which is, you know, Watson was bad last year. So until he plays better, I've got the Browns down here. And so what I thought That's was the question, Andrew, is it all is it all a Watson tax? Like is every part of ignoring the Browns getting better all a part of is Deshaun Watson better or I don't like him because of and again, I understand the people that don't like Deshaun Watson totally, totally get it. But it feels like a large portion of this. If this was, say, year two or year three, Baker Mayfield, there'd be people that say, I guess be a little bit more open to the Browns being better. Am I off on that? No, I think you're right. And I don't, I think nobody's, I haven't seen anybody really other than PFF to your point, really projecting upside for Watson. Everybody's very guarded about it. What my observation would just be that the power rankings are reflective of people that do not pay much attention. Peter King does not know off the top of his head who the Browns have added this year. Uh, So I think the power rankings and the people being low on the Browns is a product of them not paying attention. And then what we saw today on Monday with people getting super excited about the Browns or, or talking about them as a dark horse is what happened when people did start to pay attention. So I think it's kind of two different things happening. Um, but I do think it's interesting that nobody in the media nationally is going out on a limb and being like, I, I predict Watson is going to be a top five quarterback this year because you would think somebody contrarian wise, there's there's space for that opinion, right? You would think. I saw Ben Baldwin had pointed out today he had thought that Deshaun Watson was never going to get back, right? Or, or he not, right. didn't say never, but he said something along the lines of, are we sure that his, his Texans runs weren't a fluke? All of a sudden saying something like, the, the offensive lines were pretty good. He had Cooks and Hopkins and was mm-hmm. Watson just a fluke. And I, I mean, I can't I can't get there. I, I really can't. And and again, I, I try to be pretty tempered and level headed about where Deshaun Watson is going. I expect a pretty large get back to, to form for him, not you know predicting any guy to be top five who hasn't done it in, in a three year span is tough. But I I'd certainly see I guess I guess I would be hard pressed to say. He's going to be terrible. I don't know that I've seen many people say that he's going to be as bad as he was in the sixth. I feel like most people are in the middle ground. But to your point, the whole Watson tax air quote thing there is is probably tied into the lack of people saying that he's going to be really good. Because when you look at the factors around him, tight end play, Mm -hmm. adding Jordan Akins, adding the wide receiver dynamic now, it seems pretty obvious that he should be a break back to, to the player he was type of candidate, potential top five guy. But I haven't heard that from anyone. Well, it's very weird, too, to have this entire conversation about Watson with the Texans without talking about the fact that their play calling that season in 2020 was a mess and their defense was terrible. And they were, you know, they were a four and 12 football team deservedly, despite how well he played. Uh, and, and so, you know, I think one of the other narratives here that is, that's, you know, something I'm starting to really think about is the Browns investing at this point this much into their defense changes what Watson even needs to do this season for the Browns to be a pretty good team just because the defense, I think has a chance to be a really, really solid, you know, potentially top 10 unit now. And that, you know, if you have a top 10 defense, the bar on offense is not super high to be a winning team. 
I would agree. He doesn't have to do a ton to get to the to the finish line with with a successful win loss record. Now, how far they go in the playoffs, I think you and I would agree is yeah going to be driven by how well he plays. But yeah, he doesn't have to go out there and play hero ball. They're they're they've addressed at least we sit here and say this in in May. You never know quite how things are going to play out with injuries and all that, and in really performance too. But they've addressed so many things to make that side of the football a much more competent group that he should be able to navigate his way to 25 26 touchdowns that keeps the interceptions down he should have a really good season and they should win they should win plenty of games now I don't know how far the Browns are leaning into them thinking he's going to be back to the guy he was I have to think they are Uh, there's no other way to really approach it for them given how much money they've invested in him which will be something we talk about in just a moment but uh, it does feel like to the large point of the conversation if you are somebody a Browns fan who wants the national media to respect your team that's probably going to have to happen over time. They're yep. still paying the tax of the stink of that situation. And again, whatever side you're on, I'd like to think you could recognize the other side of that argument, which is people that just don't buy into it. They don't want him to succeed personally and you know, not get mad at those people, understand where they're coming from, but also understand that it does, it does really put a stain into some of the evaluation of this football team. So that's where podcasts like this one who tried to keep things as neutral in the perspective as possible it is so paramount hopefully in your library because i think you're going to get a lot of slanted stuff from a lot of slanted people and i don't expect that to stop anytime soon andrew even if they have a successful season i i don't think it's going to stop no i think that's right i think there's always going to be you know from a certain segment of the media a sense that the browns you know sold their soul or whatever quote unquote to to make this happen and so um they're always going to be playing from behind but i also think you know, there's a scenario in which, you know, if he's good enough that that stuff does get forgotten. I mean, it got forgotten with Ben Roethlisberger. The path is there. It's happened before in the NFL that that guys go out and play a certain way and, and win a, a certain number of games and all of a sudden, you know, I mean, to your point, not immediately, not by week four, but, but by the end of this season, certainly in the next year, that it's just, you know, it's a distant memory and everybody's just talking about what a good player he is and how much fun he is to watch. And so, you know, it's it's within their hands, I guess, is the way that I look at it. That they've got they've got the talent on both sides of the ball. You know, um, obviously, we saw the schedule come out last week. It's it's you know three division games in the first month, but the you know that goes both ways, right? Like it's a it's daunting, but two of the three are at home, and the uh, easiest one is on the road. So there's a scenario in which the Browns, you know, have the, well, I mean, I, there's not, there's a scenario in which they win all three, obviously, but there, there's an opportunity is my point for them to really put a stamp on the division through the first month of the season, which would go a long way towards earning them the sort of respect that they are not getting nationally. Agreed. Agreed. It's going to, well, I guess you could just follow the Ben Roethlisberger method where all of a sudden by the end of his career, he was just a national hero. That's how and, it works. Uh, yeah. How it, that's, that's, uh, hey, that's how it works. I had a question for you that's kind of based off yeah. of this, but gets a little bit broader based. I, you know, I, I, I heard you talk about the Zadarius Smith thing and you, you know, your film room over the weekend was great. I'm just curious, like big picture, how much does this move the needle for you in terms of where they are in the sort of AFC pecking order? Does it, do you, you know, where do you kind of, I mean, we don't have to rank them all, but just, you know, ballpark for me where you've got them in, in the pecking order in the AFC. Well, it deepens a pass rush that they badly need. I mean, I think it puts them a little higher. Maybe it takes them out of uh, the expectation, takes them out of a wild card expectation and puts them squarely and they need to win the division now. Like it's mm-hmm. realistic yeah. uh, to get to get a pass rusher with 80 pressures, a guy still in his prime. Uh, it, it matters. It matters. And and I think the way they want to 
structure of this defensive line, which I don't think they're done molding, is going to be like I really I meant it when I said it, the Mike Trout thing. Like he was playing Miles Garrett was playing with minor leaguers. He really was. Now some of yep. those minor leaguers might stick around and be quad A guys and they'll just be here, but like they're going to look vastly different. Mina Kimes put out a it's the second reference to Mina now, but she put out a tweet today about the Browns difference between production of QBR and zone coverage versus man and how much better they were in man. And that was something that I talked about upon the Schwartz hire was how much man he played is, is a different approach to what the Browns did under woods. And it's like, this is going to look different. Now, I don't think that they're going to be like Dean Pease where they pin their ears back and play cover zero behind it and, and bring eight every time. They're not going to blitz like that much, but they're going to be more aggressive and they're going to trust these corners on islands, which they're hoping by doing creative things with their their guys not locked in, whether that's your two high safety or a linebacker or whatever, and a safety or your two extras, you can cut some middle routes and do some things that make the quarterback hold on to the ball for an extra second, thus making pressure situations from your guys up front who go back. A thing that's funny is tracing back. Everyone loves San Francisco's pass rush, which who who shouldn't? And, uh, and obviously, like the, the large part of what Joe Woods was trying to do and from his stay at San Francisco was bring over a lot of what Schwartz likes. Now, he did. The problem was the way he paired coverage with it didn't work the way it needed to, and the Browns weren't good enough up front. Now, how much Joe Woods had to do with that, we'll never know. It's a gray area. But they're going to accept – let me put it this way. They, they're they going to have things up front that look similar. They did play a lot of wide nine with Joe Woods. They did some creative double four eyes and, and, a, and especially wide, uh, wide nine techniques and got after the quarterback that way. But I think with Schwartz, you're going to see – a unique thing in the secondary where it's paired with aggressive coverage with an aggressive front in those past situations. And then obviously on top of that, you're going to get more depth and more skill up front to make it feel different. So I think the general thing is like, it will look similar at times pre-snap, but it will be completely different in my opinion in the result. And that does bump them into a higher tier. Now, does that put them from th tier three to tier two? Probably, but I think that's up for interpretation. But again, they're not just adding somebody like Clowney who you're hoping he can figure it out and do some things like he was as good as any edge in the NFL for 10 weeks. He had yep. 55 pressures and nine sacks through 10 weeks. If they just get that, that's a, that's going to win ball games. It's going to be right. a difference. It's going to win some games. And in, in people will scoff at like he had the, the knee contusion issue, the rest of he still put up 25 pressures, go back and watch those games. There were sacks to be had just a second off or missed a sack or he was there. He was arriving at the point. It's not like he just fell off. And he was limping around out there. He was still good. So I do think it matters anytime now that you have the Browns who have a top six, according to, again, some of these depth chart rankings that Mike Clay's putting out, which I find fascinating. They have a top six secondary, a top three defensive edge uh, group. Dalvin Tomlinson does help them to a level respect the D tackle position. You add one more player in there. Miles and and uh, Zedarius can both bump inside on occasions, pass rush special occasions. Like you have a pretty formidable group, and there's no reason that we should sit here and expect them not to be really good. So does that bump you from, hey, they, I think their expectation is to make the wild card to now it should be win the division. Maybe you're already at the win the division range. I kind of just move them up slightly i haven't really laid these teams out you and i haven't done that yet i think we did a little bit of an exercise on this before the draft but we should probably do something in the next month or so kind of ranking these teams in the afc now um, but i i do just kind of ballparking it not really having thought about this before you asked it does slide them up some because that is a formidable duo and they have depth behind it and they can do some creative things to hopefully alleviate some of the defensive tackle depth things that we're worried about and um 
it, it's good. It's just a, it's just a really good thing. It's a really good outcome, and it should make the defense a lot better. And then if you navigate the Watson thing, you get back on track with him to an extent. You can see how it all comes together. I mean, you really can. And 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 I know you and I have been talking about this over weeks about process results and stuff like that, and just hankering for them to show us, like prove it to us that you're all in. This is it, and this yes. is a great move. It's yes. a great, great move. So yeah, um, we should, you know, you should be excited. I, people try to temper these moves. Like you should be excited about this move. It is a great football player. Like he was great yeah. right. for a large stretch of last season. Yeah, I mean, this is this is the the football GM equivalent of the guy that you know is is two zero in a two zero count and he's looking fastball and swings out of his shoes. You know, this is this is that sort of a move. I mean, I know that they didn't move that much capital, but this is absolutely showing that sort of ambition being that aggressive uh of just taking your best swing and and kind of hoping hoping you make contact right because if if yeah. smith is the player that he was in the first half of last year and you get a and, a and you get a standard miles garrett season not to call what he does standard but you know what i mean if you get another one of those uh they're they're that combination puts them absolutely at the top of the league in terms of pass rush productivity and that we have seen other, you know, you mentioned the 49ers a little bit ago. We have seen other teams on the strength of that alone, you know, they are able to wreck opposing offenses game plans because they've just got, you know, there's just not, you can't block everybody. And so, um, yeah, I, I think that the, I thought going into the off season, the, the firing of Joe Woods was, was, you know, we, we felt like that was pretty obvious replacing him with Jim Schwartz and and it felt like with some of the rhetoric that they put out there at the beginning of the offseason it felt like they were going to count on the change of defensive coordinator to be the motivator that reshaped the defense and then they went out and added just a boatload of talent to this defense which we already think was pretty talented and was probably underutilized talent wise you know uh last season i think the combination of what schwartz can do scheme wise Plus the just the infusion of talent here uh, up front and in the secondary. I mean, I you know I like Rodney McLeod is a is a legitimately good addition. You know, uh, Juan Thornhill is a much better fit than John Johnson was for what they were asking him to do. Um, you look at all of that across the board, and it's it's very hard not to get excited about this defense again, which I just I really didn't think was going to happen this year. Well, what did we say at the end of last offseason? So if they just changed coordinator, not the personnel, wasn't going to get better. Right. They just changed personnel, not the coordinator, wasn't going to get better. They did both. Yeah. In a, in a really in a really strong way. Yeah. So, yeah, your expectations should be for this defense to be good. It's not like last year or some other years where they got a bunch of good parts, but they can't put it together. No, the parts are there. You have to put it together. Yeah. You have to put it together. And you should be excited and expecting that they put together a top 10 it should be a t you're paying a premium corner. You drafted another premium corner. You went out and and, and signed a, a an, an impactful safety, not the top of the market safety, but an impactful safety. You have Grant Delpit who's coming into his prime. You have J Jeremiah Wusu Kamora coming into his prime, right? Expecting big things out of him. Yep. The talent is everywhere. It's mm -hmm. everywhere, and they have to be a top ten group. That's mm -hmm. the ex they're paying that money. Yep. Dalvin Tomlinson yep. to be a top ten group. So that's the expectation. We're going to take a quick break. Come back from break, and then we have a fun uh, – I don't know if it's fun, but it's a weird little exercise we've been talking about doing, so uh, hopefully you enjoy it. We'll be right back. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. 
Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com All right, so we thought about this because uh, Andrew put out an article last week that was talking about uh, sort of Deshaun Watson's uh, pecking order in the Browns situation, right? And the, and the power that he has over everything. And so I thought just real quick as a, as a little ending to this pod, we could do sort of how we view the organization's power rankings, right? There are, I, we had talked about this ahead of time, Andrew, where we said, you know, we can't really rank Jimmy Haslam number one or D Haslam. They're kind of a, a combo deal there. Uh, we can't do that because they clearly run everything and they sign the checks, but there are, there, there might be some places with coaches or even players. You look at new England or like peak drew Brees, Sure. Like who transcend that, who, who no matter what they wanted to do, like they would have the organization by for again, lack of a better word, they'd have them by the balls and they can mm-hmm. do whatever they want within that structure. They could get whatever they want. 
within right. that structure. Peyton Manning with the Colts back in the day. Yes. I don't, I don't know that we're there. Uh, I still think you have to put Jimmy at the top of this thing and, and kind of work down Agreed. from there. Agreed. But it is, uh, it's on the table if, if Watson plays well. Let, let's start. I think I, I'm putting Watson. I, okay, let me do this. This is tough. I think it's between Watson and Andrew Barry. I, I don't know what you think about those two, but I think it's between those two. I think if, if Watson has a good year this year, I could put him in front of Andrew Barry. But if he has a bad year, you certainly can't because that would be six games plus 16 or sorry, 17 others that you can't really do that because I'm sure the Browns would start kind of like figuring out what maneuvering they could do to look at the next answer at quarterback if you get another bad season. But I think for right now, I would go Barry one, Watson two. Would you do it differently at the top? Yeah, I think the only question is just about Paul D. Podesta and whether Andrew Barry or Paul D. Podesta is the guy that has the most trust from from the ownership group. Um, and I, that's really hard to parse without being inside the building, right? Because, uh, you know, I think that there's an argument for D. Podesta being basically a survivor. You know, I mean, he's been around since, what, 2016, 2017, something like that. So, um, you know, he's he's been there for a while and survived a period of time when, you know, he, he was openly being mocked in the building by John Dorsey. Um, so, you know, whether it's Barry or D Podesta, I think one of those guys is number one. So since you've got Barry one, I'll put D Podesta one with the, the idea there being that even if things go haywire this year and they have to clean quote unquote, clean house and, and hire a new coach and general manager, which, you know, God, God forbid. Right. But if they did, I don't, I still don't think much to Tony Grossi's dismay that um, they're at the point yet of of wanting to get rid of Paul D. Podesta. So I'll, I'll put Paul D. Podesta number one. It's interesting. How much do you think he plays into these decisions? It's so hard to know. I don't I don't know the answer to the question I'm even asking. So you feel like he's making, like he's giving a short list of people he thinks they should sign. Uh, I just wish we knew more about what he did. I, I really I, yeah, do. No, I don't think he's Because we're not really talking survivors here. We're talking who has like organizational power. Yeah. And that's a good clarification point. Yeah, it is. Um, I, I just think that, that if, if, if there was a decision that they were on the fence about and Barry wanted to go one way and D Podesta wanted to go the other, you know, I think for the most part, D Podesta probably supports Barry, but I think if, if it came to a difference of opinion between those two and, and they went, they took it to the owner that, that the owner would side with D Podesta. Got it. Okay, that's fair. I, I think I'd have D Podesta three. Okay. Uh, I would imagine then you would put Watson as your third behind Barry as well. Uh, yeah, I think so. I think so. Just be, just because I do think you know, I I do think even in the scenario that I just outlined where things go wrong, I think it's more likely than not that um, Barry gets another crack at this. But you know, this is probably a good time to to bring up the Mary Kay Cabot uh, appearance on the Ultimate Cleveland Sports Show, where she basically said that. Deshaun Watson had a, a pretty strong hand in reshaping the uh, quarterback room this offseason, um, which, you know, if we're talking about, you know, him expressing interest in personnel decisions, then that really argues for him being ranked ahead of uh, Andrew Barry and Paul D. Podesta, because, you know, even if it's just in one part of the roster, that that sort of power is pretty uncommon for a player. Yeah, it, it's a, it's completely uncommon personnel wise. Yes, like a quarterback coach and. Some of the decisions around scheme for a guy you've invested in, 
not uncommon, but, but personnel, I want this guy to be my backup or I like this guy in the draft. And that's kind of what I'm, I'm supposed to be thinking based on this. Like if he preferred Dobbs or he has a list of guys that he likes or whatever, uh, based on what she said, I don't know. I can't verify the truth of that, but if that's the case, then yeah, I mean, it's clear for me, he's behind Barry until he puts together stellar seasons. But after that, it's going to be him against whatever in the organization. So, I mean, the the clear difference here is he has Kevin Stefanski's d- d- fate in his hands. He yes, has it. Right. If he has a bad season, it's going to be because not uh, any other reason than Stefanski couldn't get it done with Deshaun. And that will be right. another coach right. thing here. Fair or unfair. I could point it out all day long that maybe something wasn't done right or whatever, but that is the case. It's in his hand. I think that if you go after this, if we rank the three we've ranked, the, then the pecking order becomes – Stefanski or Jim Schwartz correct me if I'm wrong there am I forgetting anybody because I think those two are where you would say okay they have this guy Jim Schwartz a lot of people like to mock the idea he'll be the coach by week 12 right Right. it's the popular thing to say Uh, am I forgetting anybody as we kind of end this with who's in who has serious say in the organization I guess you could argue maybe Miles but I've never really gotten that kind of vibe, uh, but I'm open no, to anybody and, I'm not yeah. that we haven't discussed. No, his contract just isn't juicy enough for him to get the same sort of, you know, um, sway that Deshaun has. I, I think the only other person that you could even make an argument for is is Bubba Ventrone. But before we go to that point, I want to just talk about the. I mean, this is really the genesis of this conversation, right? Is the is the Deshaun Watson versus Kevin Stefanski thing? And so I just want to kind of recap what I said in my article, which is. The Browns don't have a path to getting Deshaun Watson off the roster for for most likely three years at the at the earliest. If I mean you you mentioned earlier, if he has another bad season, if he has another bad season, he's the quarterback next year. There's no there's no world in which he's not the quarterback in 2024 um, from from here. And and so the easiest way to quote unquote fix the situation is to do what the Broncos did this offseason which is jettison your offensive play calling head coach and go out and find somebody that your quarterback has a, you know, can have a relationship with and, and can, can work with and can kind of try and find common ground with uh, in a way that maybe the, you know, the previous coach wasn't able to. And again, this is all supposition, right? <laughs> There's another scenario in which these guys work it out and yeah, save the league this year. But um, I, I just think that there, there's, there's the potential here where, you know, if the offense doesn't live up to its potential uh, talent-wise, and, and we do think the offense has a lot of talent, the, the person that's taking the blame for that this offseason coming up at, at the end of next season will be Kevin Stefanski. Well, what if the offense plays really well? What if they have a great season offensively, but they can't figure it out on defense? That's where the Jim Schwartz thing gets interesting to me, and that's where how powerful Kevin is within the organization gets interesting because there's a world where they put up really good offense, but they still don't figure it out on defense. And then yeah. is it like they're not going to give him a chance to switch coordinators again? Is he out? But then, like, do you want to mess with what you have on off? Say you have a great year from Deshaun Watson. Are you going to gonna mess that up? You're going to take the risk of, like, firing Kevin in order to just get more wins because the defense couldn't figure it out or do they stick with the group again? That's, that's an interesting question. Nobody's really talked about. Yeah. I I guess I would tend to lean towards, you know, (laughs) weirdly, if the, if the, if the defense is bad again, then maybe is, I think it's Andrew Barry that takes the most heat. (laughs) That's, that's an interesting scenario because like you wouldn't want to like say Watson puts up 4,535 touchdowns and he's really good. Yeah, and you, you can't got get rid a great of the coach. thing going with yeah. Kevin. You can't get rid of him, but you can't also change the coordinator again on defense. 
then who does it land? Whose lap does it fall in? Because they go nine and eight and don't make the playoffs and people are calling for heads. And it's like, well, whose head are you chasing at that point? Right. And Andrew Barry, that's interesting. Yeah. Well, yeah. And it would just be the, the, the supposition there would be that, you know, uh, the guys that they sign, you know, Thornhill is, is a liability of free safety and, uh, you know, Zedaria Smith is hurt and Okoronkwo can't hold up, you know, I, and I hate to even talk this way, right. Because it just sounds like doom saying, but it's not doom. I'm just trying to envision a scenario where, That's what we do here, though. We lay yeah, out exa- every right. path. We don't exactly. just lay out the right. golden. If you want the, the, the rosy glass stuff, like, we don't yeah. always do that here. So it That's is right. a world of possibility. There's a non-zero yeah. chance on this topic. Yeah, and and listen, I mean, the, the reason they had to sign Juan Thornhill is because they cut John Johnson, right? I mean... They, they cut Austin Hooper after two years. Like some of these free agent signings that were like, well, that's fixed now. That hasn't turned out that way. And so Andrew Barry has, a, I think, a really strong track record in some areas. And I think this Darius Smith trade was a, was a heist uh, yeah. in terms of, you know, the type of player adding him for that minimal amount of value, uh, you know, getting two picks back. But some of these free agent signings have been disappointing. And so, you know, we're expecting that these names are going to come in and just kind of gel. But I, I think it's a good point that, that, you know, Jim Schwartz and, and Kevin Stefanski sit down at the end of the year and they say, we just are not getting the talent that we need to execute the defense properly. That does fall on Andrew Barry. It would. It would get kind of strange. It'd be the it most be strange. And like most of the time people want a path to the easiest fix. And it's not always that way. That would be that would be a weird one. We actually talked about this. I talked with Brad Ward last night on you know ranking Andrew Barry as far as draft, free agency and trades. How would yeah. you rank him on those? Obviously, I think trades are at the top draft is second, free agency's third. So yeah. uh, I don't know. We'll leave that at, at hand and talk about that another time. But yeah, I think with the organization rankings certainly have uh, Barry and Deep Podesta somewhere at the top. Deshaun sits in the top two or three. Mm-hmm. And then it's about Kevin and how much they love Schwartz. I mean, it's Kevin four and Schwartz five is my yeah. best guess. But yep. again, those things are all driven by what reason it is for the winning or losing next year that that can shape itself. Uh, into a different world but for right yeah. now i think that that feels pretty right to me kind of guessing a lot of, we're doing a lot of guessing on deep Podesta, but it yeah. feels it feels pretty right so i'll give you the last word on this anything to add to the organization the official we just knocked this out officially That's yeah exactly right these official are going up Browns on the wall in Berea, structure power sure. rankings yeah, yeah they're gonna put it up powerpoint yeah thing. that's right uh i i think the only other i was just trying to think of another player because i i i mean miles is certainly you know sort of before watson was sort of the face of the team I mean, him and Baker, right? Um, the only other player that I just think if, if he had a real big issue with something and and went to them, you know, say say he was just, you know, just hell-bent for leather to get Bill Callahan fired, I could see Joel Batonio pushing, you know, a little bit just because he's probably on track for the Hall of Fame or close, and he's been here his entire career. And I think, you know, I, I think his voice carries weight. Now, you know, yeah. does, you know, is there something that could come up in a world where that, would matter. I don't know. I was just trying to think of another player besides Watson that that could probably get people to listen to him. And I think it's Miles and, and Joel are probably the next two names. I think that's beyond uh, beyond doubt. I don't think to your point that you're not saying Joel would do that. No, no, no. He's never given off that perception publicly, and I just don't get the vibe he would. But he would be one of the few. I don't think Denzel, based on performance and some yeah. of the missed time and stuff like that, carries that kind of weight. So I'm with you. You need right. more. We need more of these guys to have that conversation. Great point. That's for sure. That's a great point. Yeah. Uh, More guys that can actually get shit done in the locker room and, and with the, yeah, yeah, with the organization changing things. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. 
you win games and you keep guys long enough that you keep around from the young age. That's where you get that sort of uh, the stuff where you hear Jason Kelsey talk about the Eagles locker room and, and all of that. You want to get there. That's the dream that the, yeah. the, the, whatever the Philly way or the new England way, or the, those things are what you want. Uh, and you dream yeah. about, especially because we sat first row and watched uh, Pittsburgh do that. And we watched Baltimore figure it out way too quickly. So that's, uh, that's right. a lot of the stuff we'd like to change, but that's a wrap for today. It's a fun episode, Andrew. I appreciate you being here, man. It's always a pleasure, Jake. And I think, uh, you know, as you said, these are pretty much un- indisputably true rankings. And, yep, you know, can't I, be argued. I, don't I, even I try look, to argue. Yeah, it. no, I look forward to to getting a, some sort of a certificate from the team. <laughs> yeah, they'll love it. They, they yeah. uh, apparently love all things OBR. Anyway. Um, <laughs> Trouble. Yeah, let's wrap. Let's, 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 yeah, that's what we are. Let's wrap it up. This is a good show. Appreciate you guys stopping by. Uh, check out the OBR. We should have a ton of stuff up, including a Dewan Jones uh, film room as we continue to dive in. Uh, into the rookie film and give you everything you can about that. That's going to be for VIP folks over at the OBR who subscribe. So check that out. We got more coming up from Jack Duffin, I'm sure, tomorrow as well. Contract stuff. He had great stuff up on what the contracts look like for drafted players and UDFAs and what like what actual money they get early and what money they uh, get over the course of either making the roster, being put on a different roster, getting claimed, or their uh, practice squad dollars. It's actually fascinating to figure out how all that stuff works. I didn't know about it myself until I read it. So always learning something every day at the OBR. So again, thanks to Andrew. Thanks to you guys for stopping by. Have a fantastic Tuesday, everybody. Go Browns. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.